Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So this morning, we are continuing with the series, um, What Are You Living For? And this morning, we're looking specifically at the, the, the title, Living Transformed Lives. Living Transformed Lives. And uh, as, we were, as we were just uh, worshipping, uh, I was already speaking in line of and on kind of getting ready for, so I was really thinking in line of the, the, the message this morning. And uh, one of the things that we need to consider is starting with the end in mind. Okay, like building our lives and living with the end in mind. What do I mean by that? What are people going to say about you when you're no longer here? When you've passed away, what are people going to say at your funeral? Like, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Because um, imagine this, picture this, that you get to determine what people are going to say at your funeral. (coughs) The way you're currently living is you determining what people are going to say at your funeral one day. So if you, if you would die today, praise God, I pray blessing and protection over each one of you that you will not die today. You will live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Amen. But if you would die today, or if, if what, something bad would happen, um, what would people say about your funeral? Would people want to come to your funeral to celebrate your life? Or would some people be happy that you're actually not here anymore? <laughs> Praise God, that I believe there's no one like this in, in, in this meeting. And um, like you'd have to be a very bad, evil person for someone not to be excited about you not being here anymore. Um, but all of us gets to determine on a daily basis by what we're living, what we're choosing to live for, what people are going to say about us, and how they're going to celebrate our lives by what we're living for today tomorrow and every day of our lives. So we need to start and make decisions on a daily basis with the end in mind. All of us wants to go to heaven and be celebrated cheerfully, right? Coming into eternity with God and with those who've gone before us. But what we are living for today will determine that. Will determine the type of celebration we're going to get when we come together. It's going to determine how people are going to talk about you when you're no longer here. What are you living for? We need to allow the transformation that's taking place in our nature. Our born again nature. We've received the Spirit of God. We need to allow and we get to choose to allow on a daily basis. Allow that transformation in our spirit to have an impact on the decisions we're making, have an impact on how we're treating people, how we're dealing with people. The same as Marco said with repentance. Repentance is a daily decision we get to make, changing what we think, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about people. And it's the same way with regards to what we are living for and whether we're allowing this transformation of of our new nature to have an impact on our lives, to have, have the Spirit of God in us to actually come and live through us. It's a daily decision we get to make. Question, are you up for the challenge? A good word is a challenging word. I'm up for the challenge because I'm allowing myself to be challenged through the word and in the preparation. So I, I, I need to often say this because 
somehow we kind of fall into this, this mindset that, man, the guy up front is doing everything perfectly and this word that he's bringing, like he's obviously living up to it 100%, 24-7. You can ask his wife, like he's just the, 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 the saint of saints. No, um, I'm still being challenged with the word. I'm still growing into the things that, that I even minister to you guys on Sundays. We need to always remember that just because people are, are stepping into specific functions within the body of Christ, whether it's pastor or, or uh, even life group leader, all of those things, it's not, the, the, the requirement isn't perfection. The requirement has never been perfection. Have you, have you looked at your Bible? Perfection was never the requirement. Abraham, Moses, David, all of those guys had some, some flaws. So requirement has never been perfection. So stop trying to be perfect before you allow God to use you. That's just a word for someone. Stop trying to be perfect before you allow God to use you. Stop putting this perfection kind of mindset. When I get there, then I'll start ministering the love of Jesus to people. I'm going to just kind of uh, let you off of Duke. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get too perfect. You'll get too perfect when Jesus has returned and given you a new mind and a new body. But until then, you're stuck with your mind, so to speak. But praise God, we can, as Paul said in Romans 12 verse 2, we can renew our minds. Each one of you is responsible for what you are thinking. I can't take responsibility for what you're currently thinking. You might be thinking about lunch. I cannot change that for you. If you're hungry right now and you want to think about lunch, then go for it. But you're going to miss something that God has got for you right here, right now. Amen? So are you up for the challenge? For anything to grow, it needs to be challenged. Right? It needs to go through certain processes. If we want to grow up and mature into the men and women God created us to be, we're going to need to accept the challenges we see in the Word. We need to acknowledge that for growth to take place, we need to accept and embrace change. Because anything that grows is taking change, right? If you are getting bigger, more muscular, it means that change is taking place. Growth is taking place. So we need to consider that if I want to grow, if I want to mature, if I want to be the man or the woman that God has created me to be, then the, the way that my life is currently looking, something is going to have to change. For growth to take place, change is going to have to take place. We're going to need to say like, Lord, I'm up for this challenge. This is a difficult word. My life is, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's shouting self-centered. None of you here this morning, obviously, just the people we invited who didn't come. And <laughs> those people who are on our hit list. And, uh, <laughs> so, we need to look at how's my life currently looking and why do I need to cha be challenged in so that I can actually grow and mature into the things that God has got for me and put inside of me. Is the life I'm currently living adding value to people's lives here on earth and eternity? Consider that. Is the life you're currently living adding value to people's lives and their eternity? You can be a nice person and kind of buy someone a gift every now and then. But are you sharing Jesus with them? Because a nice gift isn't going to impact the eternity. 
Giving food to people isn't impacting people's eternities. It's impacting their year now. And there's a place and a time to impact people's year and now. To give someone a meal so that they, 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 their carnal circumstances can change. So they can be open to hear what you have to say. Right? You guys get what I mean? We need to steward and, and, and use those natural ministry opportunities to create and open up doors for us to minister to people's spiritual conditions. We need to be wise about how we minister to people's carnal needs. But is the way that you are currently living your life impacting and adding value to people's eternities? What changes do I need to make in order to get my life from where it currently is to where I want it to be? Because imagine this. Imagine the things you want people to say about you when you're no longer here. Imagine that. If you die today, is that the things that people would want to say about you? What you want to be remembered for? If not, you get to change your, your decisions today. You get to change your life today, what you're living for. In order that you can set yourself up for that day where people talk about you, will celebrate your life, will, will express thankfulness towards your life for how you blessed them, how you impacted them, how you added value to them. Man, that's exciting. Imagine that. That all of us start living with the end in mind. How people are going to celebrate our lives. All of us will start living very different lives today, right? Let's look at the example of Jesus. and We, we shared this passage of, of Scripture and the invitation to give as well. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. This time, so we'll uh, go one verse further from the Passion again. It says, Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let His mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. This is powerful. Jesus, we often, we just kind of read through things and we don't consider the, the, the weight, the magnitude of what this is saying. Jesus, the Son of God, and all of his splendor, heaven, it's got everything. He left all of that to come and change your eternity. Let his mindset become your motivation. He did not consider equality with God. His God-likeness. He didn't consider that as his supreme prize. That's not what he was living for. How is that applicable to some of us today? Some of us are clinging to this idea that, man, at least I'm going to be in heaven one day as my supreme prize. Some Christians are living for heaven. And they're absolutely fruitless here on earth. Because at least they've got their supreme prize. Their eternity is secure and, and, and sealed. And, and praise God for that. But man, the world doesn't need to see believers who are unfruitful but at least they're going to be in heaven one day the world can't see your spiritual condition the world cannot see that you are one with God 
The world can only see if your oneness with God is impacting how you are living. I'm going to say this again. The world doesn't care that you are one with God and your eternity is sealed. The world cares how you are living right now. How you are demonstrating kindness, love, compassion. Jesus didn't just talk a big talk. He walked it out, literally, to the cross. Lay down his life. And so because he did it, because he set that example for us, we can too live up to that example. Because he's living inside of us. And guess what? He wants to do this through you. But he's not going to force us. Hebrews 12, also one of my, my favorite passages of scripture, linking on the same picture of Jesus and and what his focus was, what his mindset was. And I pray that as we're looking at these challenging passages of Scripture and we're considering if we're allowing this transformation to impact our lives, impacting our decision-making, I'm praying and I'm trusting that you'll become irritated at living self-centered lives. I pray that you'll become irritated at making self-centered decisions. Because God's spirit in you is not a self-centered spirit. It's selfless. And it wants to come out of you. His spirit in you wants to demonstrate love and compassion to the people around you. Even if it costs you something. I'm going to say that even if it costs you something. Being kind to people is going to cost you something. People want to take advantage of you. Stepping into a, a, a place of more influence, it's going to cost you something. It's sacrifice. But what are you living for? Are you living to please yourself? Then guess what? You're going to have a mediocre funeral. But if you're living for other people and you're living for eternity, you're going to have a glorious funeral where people will celebrate you. I've been to funerals where people are celebrated. And it is awesome. The gospel is shared and we, we, people that, that come there and they celebrate the, the life of the person and how they've in, been impacting people around them. How people are sharing about how that person shared Jesus with them. And they are so thankful for that. You get to determine right now what you are living for and whether you're going to live for, for the end in mind. What type of funeral do you want to have? Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Say patience. patience. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now firstly, this word patience here, that uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to run with, run with patience the race that has been set before you. This word patience is talking about a continuing in endurance. It's a, it's a not giving up. Like kind of, it's, it's, it's not just patience, it's like, okay, I'm going to be patient. It's talking about endurance. It's talking about persistence. It's talking about 
having a no-die attitude in something. And what is that? Running the race that has been set before you. Now guess what? You might be thinking you're running the race that has been set before you. But if the race that you are running isn't one that is impacting people's eternities, you're wasting your time. And you running a futile race. Now I know it's a challenging word. But a good word is a challenging word. And we're not coming together on Sundays to feel good about ourselves and to have a holy huddle and walk out of here and say like, praise God, like we're going to be in heaven one day. And No, we want to bring heaven to earth. And the only way that heaven is coming to earth is if you allowing yourself to be challenged with the word and the instructions we see. And the examples we see through the word. Looking unto Jesus. Again, this is the key. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. What was set before him? The joy. There was something set before him. He He had a specific focus. He had a specific mindset. What was his mindset? We saw this in Philippians. His mindset and the joy that was set before him was eternity. Your eternity, my eternity. That is the only true joy that is going to enable us to endure and run this race with patience. If we're living for people's eternities. That doesn't excite some of you, I know. But that's fine. I'm not yet to excite you. I'm yet to be challenged and I'm yet to challenge you. To equip you, to establish you and who God created you to be. Men and women not yet to play church and to have fun and Kind of only do it when it's fun. We've, we've, we've sold Christianity and we've unfortunately seen examples of Christianity that is, that is labeled as and it's packaged and like, let's just have fun. Let's, let's, let's embrace, at least we're going to heaven one day and let's embrace that Jesus came to fix all of our problems and let's, let's sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya and, uh, Man, that is mediocre. That's not what Jesus died for. He died for lives to be transformed. And I want to live a transformed life. I want you to live a transformed life. Because that is what's going to bring heaven to earth. That is what the world needs. That is what's going to change our nation. Better leadership isn't going to change our nation. If it's godly leadership, yes. But people need to awake to the reality of Christ in them and what we've been created for because that will change our nation. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Let's look at this word despising quickly for a moment. So he did something. He set a joy before him. Our eternities, your eternity, my eternity. That was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross But he did something else, despising the shame that came with all of this. You're going to go through opportunities 
and circumstances where there's going to be shame, where there's going to be trials and tribulation. Not shame in the sense of you've sinned now and it's shameful. It's, it's shame that people want to bring over your life. Challenges. What did he do with the shame? What did he do with this anguish that he was experiencing? He despised it. The Greek word here for despise is kataphronio, and it means to think against, to disesteem. The English word for esteem is to value. So he devalued something. He disesteemed something. You don't just disesteem something by waking up and disesteeming it. It comes with purpose and intentionality. When things come against you, you're going to have the opportunity to either value it, esteem it, or you're going to have opportunity to disesteem it, to devalue it, to think against it. That is what Jesus did. He thought against, he disesteemed everything in the natural that he was facing, that he was challenged with. He chose to disesteem it, to devalue it, so that he can continue on with his calling, with, God, with what God called him to accomplish. So Jesus devalued the suffering he experienced. He disesteemed it. And so we too can devalue, disesteem whatever we're going through. We aren't products of our experiences and our environment. We are products of how we respond to our experiences and our environment. Keyword, respond. Stats have shown this. History has shown this. Where more than one person goes through the same circumstances, goes through the same experiences, yet how the person walks out of it looks largely different. Why? Response. We aren't products of our experiences and our environment. We are products of how we respond to our experiences and our environment. Let's back this up with Scripture. Mark 7, 15. And there's all context to this, but this, this, uh, this Scripture and the thought that Jesus is sharing here carries the same point. Mark 7, 15 says, There's nothing from without a man that enters into him that can defile him. There is nothing from without a man that enters into him that can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile him. What is Jesus basically saying here? Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. So it's not about what is happening on the outside as much as what is happening on the inside. How do you respond to what is happening to you? What is coming at you? How people are treating you? We need to guard our hearts. Because if we guard our hearts, we are guarding the way that our life is going to go. Because out of the heart flows all issues of life. Yes, things can happen to us and and, uh, and it will come at us from the outside, but we get to disesteem those things, devalue those things. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. So you're not being manipulated with the Word, saying that if you 
give 1,000 rand now, within the next minute, you're going to receive that healing. That prayer that you've been praying and asking, trusting God for, it will be answered if you bring that 1,000 rand into the offering right now. We're not used to this. We're not used to that type of deception. But it's, it's all throughout the body of Christ. And guess what? That's very blatant. It's become very subtle. Some of these deceptions, some of these things that's crept into the body of Christ. Consider this. Think about this. If something, if a message or a, a, a word or a message that I'm receiving from a ministry or a specific teacher in any given setting, if the message is more about what I can get from this, how this is going to bless me, you have to ask yourself the question, is, that, is this truly in line with the Word of God? Because very little of what we see in the life of Jesus, the example he set, and those apostles who's gone before us, who's, who's, who's laid down their lives for us, very little of what they gave us, the instruction, the teaching was about, what can I get from this? How this, how's this going to bless me? The, the message of the gospel has been diluted to a... And the church has been diluted to this place of a, being a bless me club and holy huddles and let's kind of just make each other rich and have fun and... That's not the message of the Bible. That's not the message that we see in the Bible. Living transformed lives starts with our minds, our hearts. It's a matter of belief, like we looked at last week, repentance. It's a matter of belief. And so living transformed lives is starting with our hearts, considering what we're thinking. So we have to ask this question, what is my predominating thoughts on a daily basis how much are you thinking in line with eternity on a daily basis think about that quickly if you just looked at your past week how much of your time was consumed with the temporal the year the now and how much of it was consumed with eternity people's eternities starting with the end in mind living every day with the end in mind that's a very practical thing to consider, right? Living today with the end in mind. Living today in such a way that people actually thank and express thanksgiving towards my life at my funeral. How many of your thoughts on a daily basis involve others' well-being in their eternity? Man, it's fun questions, eh? Feel good questions. No, it's challenging. We need to be challenged. If we're not going to be challenged, if we're not going to change our lives, your life will stay the same. I don't want my life to stay the same. I want to mature and grow, move forward in the things that God has got for me. If we change our thinking, we'll change the course of our lives. Let's look at a, a closing with this passage of Scripture from John chapter 8. Also one of my, my favorite passages of Scripture, I haven't gone to it in a while, or looked at it 
uh, in a while and really felt that this is applicable for us this morning. A woman who, who encountered radical transformation. So there's a lot of challenge that we're looking at this morning and like looking at the life of Jesus, the life that he lived and considering how we're living our lives and, and practically speaking, looking at the fact that we get to disesteem, we get to devalue the challenges and the difficulty coming our way, persecution coming our way as Jesus did. And by doing so, we can continue running our race. So all of that is super practical, but just here quickly, we're going to just look at further again this this, the, the magnitude and, and a valuable key to continue on living this, these lives of transformation, so to speak. So John chapter 8, we're going to jump in here from verse 3, and we'll read to verse 11 from the Passion Translation. And consider and just highlight just some things that stand out for you even, because I'll be sharing some things that God put on my heart for us, and Holy Spirit might want to put some other things on your heart and reveal some other truth to you. So be ready to receive that and then just uh, put it down and make some notes so that you can continue meditating on them. So John chapter 8, verse 3 to 11 says this, Then in the middle of his teaching, Jesus' teaching, and it says the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery. And made us stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us what do you say we should do with her. I'm just going to pause there and then we'll carry on reading. So they're referring here to Moses' law. and Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone such a woman? Now, We'll, we'll uh, just look at another side of Jesus' response to this in a moment. But it's very important. We've been looking at this like week in and week out. What are you more familiar with? Do you understand the purpose of the law? Because if you don't understand the purpose of the law, you will be like these religious people. Coming with accusations. But this is what we should do. This is what the law of Moses says. We need to rightly divide the word of truth because if we don't rightly divide the word of truth, we're going to mess things up. We're going to hurt people. We'll be unfruitful in our ministries. So we need to understand what is the purpose of the law. And the purpose of the law was not how they applied it in this situation. I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a moment. Verse 6, they were only testing Jesus. So firstly also they came with a complete off motivation. They were only testing Jesus. So they weren't really concerned about the law and what was right and wrong. They wanted to test Jesus. They wanted to put him into a corner. They were testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. There's a word for someone. Jesus didn't answer them. Oftentimes, we are super tempted, right? Super tempted to just give them the answer. Like, fall for that bait. Don't do it. You don't have to answer. Jesus didn't answer them. So indirectly, what did Jesus do? He ignored the people. Imagine that. That's not very kind, Jesus. If it's needed, then do it. 
He wrote on the ground with his finger. Verse 7, angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said. So here's also something to consider. Maybe keeping quiet isn't necessarily an act of passivity, but it's an act of like, okay, cool, what are we going to do about this? Sometimes you just need to pray a little bit and and spend some time with God and, and, and seek counsel from Him or from the body of Christ, and then you go back and you answer and you kind of give, uh, uh, give account for the situation. And he said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. What is Jesus doing here? Raising the bar. Because remember, Jesus also said that breaking the law and committing adultery isn't just when you do the physical act thereof, but it's even when you consider and desire another woman who's not yours, that is adultery. So that is what Jesus is doing here. He's raising the bar. Because that is as much breaking the law as committing this very act. So Jesus is, is, a, is, is kind of a coming to them at their own game. And he says, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, the accuser slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman, still standing there in front of him. So he looked back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. Highlight verse 11. And some translations, some translations just mess it up completely. The passion really communicates this beautifully. King James also pretty good, straightforward, go and sin no more. That was Jesus' response, go and sin no more. Passion kind of a... a just carries across what that thought means. And he says, go and from now on be free from a life of sin. A life of freedom, a life of significance is only possible through encountering Jesus. This woman encountered Jesus. She encountered radical grace. Because Jesus technically by the requirements of the law could have stoned this woman to death. Technically, actually not because there needed to be another witness and it was only Jesus. So kind of a, on a technicality, not really, but you guys get the point. She experienced radical love and radical grace. So much so that when Jesus uttered these words, go and sin no more, it was not a command. It was speaking and prophesying a new nature. Um, now I'm kind of a, not 100% sure whether this woman has, was a believer at that moment or whether she... This is, the, this is the amazing thing. We need to understand this. I was speaking to someone recently about... Sometimes we look at the Word and we become very technical about it and mechanical about things and say like we should do this in this way or we should say it in that way. And There's a time and place for technicalities and like we said, mechanically God... It's created a day, 24 hours, and the sun comes up at a specific time, and that's not going to change. So there's technicalities, there's mechanisms and things like this. But when it comes to salvation, there isn't a perfect prayer. 
Because God is concerned with the heart. You can say all of the right things. There's nothing in your heart that profits you nothing. You can literally lay down your life, which is pretty selfless, right? Laying down your life, sacrificing it. But if it's not done from love, profits you zero, nada. Nothing. Now, why I'm saying all of this is because in this moment, so this is probably like we're reading this story and we kind of read it, we can read this, this whole account in like a minute. And so we think like a minute went past and it was like quickly, okay, cool, there you go, you won't go and sit no more. Let's, let's move on to the next. Like, this was a dramatic event. Jesus teaching, as I would be teaching you now, for example, and here comes a mob and that dragon a wife. She wasn't kind of walking, uh, a woman, she wasn't walking in there probably complying. There's probably some tussling and I don't know if they dragged her from the very bedroom and like, like there's a lot of things to consider. It was a dramatic event. And so this woman is standing there and everything uh, this is happening and she's obviously considering this whole conversation between Jesus and these guys. And Jesus is not one moment looking to her or expressing hate or, or disgust towards this woman. He expresses compassion, love. That is the gospel. The gospel is a message of love, of compassion, of identity. That this is what you were created for. To encounter the love of Christ and receive His life. So that your life can be one that is free from sin. A life and power to live free from sin. So I'm considering and reading into this that this woman could have in that very moment opened her heart to the life of Christ. The same with the woman in, uh, in Mark chapter, uh, um, John chapter 4. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who had this encounter with Jesus. Nowhere does it say that she received Christ. Heart belief. And yes, mouth confession, Romans says that, but I spoke to someone about the technicalities this week as well. Like, what about someone who can't speak? Can't they confess Jesus? No, they can from their heart. It doesn't need to necessarily be vocal. It needs to be in the heart. If you believe something in your heart, it doesn't matter how you say it or how it sounds. Heart belief. And then expression. Because mouth confession, I believe, is also just a, a, an indication of, of faith demonstrated in uh, action. And so, if we look at the, the, the account of the woman at the well, there was action. She heard a message and she acted, Right? She left the water pot. She ran into the village and went to tell people about the account she had with Jesus. And so this, this record where Jesus is declaring, go and from now on be free from a life of sin. It would have only been possible if she received the new nature. The only way to live free from a life of sin is if you've received the new nature. If you've been born again from above. With the Spirit of God, which is a nature of holiness, righteousness. This is what we need to consider. The lives we're living, are we oozing out and, and considering how we can demonstrate and, and show people radical grace, radical love? 
Because God's grace, that is what sets free. That is what sets people up for victory. God's grace doesn't only forgive us of sin, it gives us the new nature to live a life free from sin. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.